Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and this is Funding the Dream because today we have a special guest, and I'm very pleased. All my guests are special. Today is a particularly special guest. He's an international bestseller, and in some ways, I want to say that he is the idea grandfather behind Kickstarter itself. Hopefully, he's not offended by the fact that I called him a grandfather, but I have Seth Godin, international bestselling author, as a guest. Seth, thank you for joining the show. Thank you for doing it, Richard. It's a pleasure. Uh, I'm I'm excited to have you on. Um, we've we've been talking a little bit, and and I brought this up that Kickstarter as a whole encapsulates everything that you've done or written about, and all of the ways it brings people together. It creates tribes. It allows people to overcome. And I'm going to say the key word that's been through so much of your writing is it overcomes the fear of stepping out. And I have to believe that you really have become excited by the success that you've seen around Kickstarter. You know, Kickstarter is fascinating to me. Uh, the internet often invents what I call units of information. A tweet, uh, a, a, a page of search results, a blog post. These are units of idea that didn't exist before someone built them. And Kickstarter takes that to a whole new level in that, first of all, a Kickstarter page is something that couldn't have existed easily before Kickstarter. And once you see it, it seems obvious. But the other thing that I'd love to talk about today a little bit is that Kickstarter is the intersection of people, the masses, uh, niches, weird uh, groups of people, tribes, ideas that spread, but also money and dreams. And when you add money and dreams to the equation, it gets very complicated very fast. And there's a lot going on inside of the Kickstarter ecosystem. I think some people are willfully blind to some of what's going on, and other people just haven't seen it yet. But I think that we're going to discover more and more uh, about the nature of how people interact based on what Kickstarter can do for us. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit because as, I, as I've watched and, and listeners of the show know that we talk about this fear. Kickstarter generates a lot of fear. When you go to click that button and say, I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to ask for money, there's a, a bit of a taboo in our society when it comes to personally asking for money. Uh, it's just one of those things that we really don't necessarily talk about. You know, I can sell something, but in Kickstarter, I'm not selling something. And those people who sometimes look at it as simply a pre-order system to sell something are, are missing the essence of Kickstarter. And I think that's what you're, is that what you're alluding to here? Well, I'm, there's a bunch of things. The first one is you're correct that not only are you asking for money, but you're asking for money with a countdown clock right on top of your face with how much money came in. And the transparency and publicness of it uh, is a distraction. It amplifies the fear. It has people misunderstand. You know, I mean, Amanda Palmer did not make $1.2 million. She grossed $1.2 million, but she made way, way less than that because she sold a year of her life, right? But we, all we talk about is the top line uh, numbered in big headlines. People all treat money differently in their heads. Some people are very stuck on it. Other people aren't. And when you have to press the publish button, uh, launch button, and you know you're about to be judged by strangers, yes, it amplifies uh, your fear. But the second thing that you brought up is uh, this idea of it being a pre-order system. You know, the, the people who started Kickstarter really wanted to be a place where people put up money because it makes them feel good, and they happen to get a tote bag or some other uh, reward as a thank you, but it's mostly about kick-starting something you want to see in the world. But 
when the masses show up, that's not what the masses want. And in fact, every over-the-top successful Kickstarter, every single one, is not the result of this good-hearted desire to be a patron of the arts. Every one is the result of people shopping at a store. And so, you know, what we've seen as Kickstarter has grown is this fact, for example, that once a Kickstarter hits 60% funded, it's almost certainly going to get funded. Well, that makes no sense rationally because you don't have to pay if it doesn't get funded. Right. You would think you'd get just as much satisfaction out of funding one that doesn't get funded. In fact, more because it doesn't cost you anything. But what people have in their head is this fear of contributing to something that the masses didn't think was good. They don't want to vote for a candidate that's not going to win. And at once it tips at 60% and it's real, we find that they sell more and more after that. Well, if it's after the goal is reached, what you're really doing is buying the prize, not supporting the creation of the thing, because it's going to happen. And I'm not making a comment on whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It just is. I'm, I, it's just saying it's a true thing. So one of the things that you think about when you launch a Kickstarter is, are you doing this in the original spirit of the way Kickstarter works? And I would say that your $800 campaign to do a podcast at a trade show was in that spirit because you weren't saying, how can I scale this to $20,000? No. Or are you doing what Pebble did, which is say, we're going to run a store that happens to fit into this unit of information called Kickstarter. And it's a really fascinating balance. You know, you look at the email you get where people are uh, giving you a hard time about what's the shipping and handling on the $12 level versus the $11 level. <laughs> They're shoppers, right? Which is fine because Kickstarter intentionally chose to use money as its medium of exchange, not honor or trust, but money. And everyone treats money differently. Well, and that's, and that's what we've seen. And as I've covered the space, uh, one of my focus has been on the board game space. And out of the board game space, that has what we're seeing is this flood of publishers. You're doing books, uh, board games. You're seeing an introduction of people who are stepping up saying, hey, I can do this. I can do this myself. And it's flooding the system. But oftentimes, you still can be, get behind and say, I want to I participate in that because even your project, Icarus Deception, right now, if we if we go take a look, is doing very well. Um, of course, it is. Um, you put it out there, but it's at one hundred eighty-eight thousand. Every time I refresh, it goes up. You've got a couple of thousand backers, but you have a limit on how much money you're going to generate on this from your tribe because once all of your pledge levels have a a uh, a quota or a not a quota. A limit. They can all be sold out. That's right. They can all be sold out, and they're on the. You're on the verge of selling them all out. Although the smaller ones with uh, the four dollar, you still have a couple of thousand, nine thousand backers to go. But with a full month to go, you're probably going to hit that quite easily. In the whole process, though, you've you've pulled in. So even though it could be viewed as okay, I'm just it's just selling a book, but you're still you've got the right attitude where you're still making people a part of it. Right? You get to be. The, the one that sold out the fastest, the, hey, I'll write a short paragraph about you and your idea. Right? That, I mean, that went out probably within minutes. It did. Well, let me, I want to back up a little bit because some people won't listen to the end of this. And I want to say the most important part right now, which is the single biggest mistake that people make about Kickstarter who use it is this Kickstarter is bad at helping you be found. Kickstarter is yeah. not a tribal organization and building tool. 
Kickstarter is the last step, not the first step. And that the reason my Kickstarter worked is simple, because I've been working on it for 11 years. And that if you build a tribe and you build trust and you build connection, Kickstarter is a great way to organize that and to finalize it with the transaction. It is bad at saying, I'm a stranger. You never heard of me. Here's my project. Please fund it. And then, if, if you go into it thinking that this is the way you're going to go from zero to 60, you will fail. And that's, and that's exactly right because I have a lot of people come to me for advice, asking me about their projects. And one of the first things I ask them are, okay, what's your fan base? You know, have you gone out to Facebook and, and let your fans find you there? Have you gone to Twitter and let your fans find you there? Have you, have you put this out online and let people find it and talk about it and download it? And when they come to me and they, and they said yes, and I, look, and I go look at their Twitter handle and they have two or three followers, I'm like, no, 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 it's not going to work that way. And this is exactly what you're saying. In your case, somebody can't look and say, oh, well, it was Seth Godin. Of course it's going to be successful. It's like, no. It's not, well, yes, but the point is, is that you're saying is go out, build your fan base, find your tribe, lead them, and then when you put and ask them for support, they are looking for ways to give you money to support you. Right. And the, the word you here is really important. Again, going back to the fear thing we started with, which is actually I'm not asking them to support me. I'm asking them to support this project. And I want them to support the project for two reasons. One, it opens the door for 10,000 more authors in the future. And two, because they might want to read it. And if it doesn't reach a certain level, they'll never be able to get to read it because I'll delete it. Um, and so it's really, for your mental health, important to understand there's a distinction between backing you and backing your project. And, and, for your, and you say for your mental health. Is that, uh, is that tied into the Icarus deception? Is that what we're talking about here? Everything I do is very self-referential. I use permission marketing to sell permission marketing, and I made my idea virus book an idea virus. Um, so there's no doubt that some of what's going on inside my book is what I'm doing here. And people are going to be surprised a little bit, and I'll ask you, when you got ready to launch this, um, what went through your mind? Because you're looking at Kickstarter. You've been involved, as, as you said, I said the grandfather, because uh, earlier discussion, you've been involved with this since the beginning. You get ready to put your first project out there. What's going through your head? Well, almost everything I do, there's a voice in my head that says, this might not work. And at the beginning, 25 years ago, when I was really struggling, the voice, this might not work, was the voice of doom and gloom and death. And now the voice of this might not work is the thing that reminds me I'm still alive. Um, that the day I am only willing to do things that I know will work is the day that I've been doing this for too long. And that calcification is something that we have to avoid at all costs. And, you know, so the blog posts... That where I introduced this, the headline was, this might work. But the original headline was, this might not work. Um, but people who I trust said I was being too negative. <laughs> and so you got ready to push that button. And it comes across, I, I think we got to keep that video because you were being very open and honest in your video on your project. And, and, but there was a bit that came across as, well, I don't know if I'm going to hit my goal. Your goal, I think, was $40,000. But here we go. Give it a try. If it doesn't work. Okay, we learned and we'll do something different. And how, how long did it take you to hit your goal? Three hours. <laughs> and 
do do you wonder is there is that just the way it's going to always be when you reach out to your tribe and i'm not now i'm not talking about you i'm talking about the, the listeners who have built up their tribe and they go to push that button and reach out and put themselves out there is it always going to be where you know i'm not sure and then you kind of you kind of miss no that okay. i don't think so i think that when bruce springsteen plays in jersey uh his promoters and his people don't say you know what we might not be able to sell out the meadowlands that that's you know that doesn't mean that he's not doing art what it means is that um there are certain things you build in your practice certain things that are part of your profession that you can count on right so when a heart surgeon goes to work tomorrow I'm presuming she knows there are going to be patients waiting in, out the door because she's world-class famous at being a heart surgeon. She shouldn't have to have a risk about whether there will be patients. The risk is, well, I'm trying this aortic bypass for the first time with someone who's going to die if I don't try it, but I got to try it because otherwise I won't learn anything, right? right. Um, that risk is a different one. So every day when I post on my blog, I know people are going to read it. There's no risk there. Uh, so I can't live my life uh, with a risk every minute of the day. Only James Bond does that. that. Okay. Uh, what I'm saying is too many of us have lulled ourselves into making it so that we only have one risk a year at our annual review and we spend the rest of the, the year hiding. Oh, interesting, uh, interesting perspective on that. Let's talk about in the last few minutes something about the why you're doing this. Uh, you, um, you don't need your video talks about proving to your publisher taking this idea showing them but that's seth seth comes and says i want to write a book you don't need permission or you don't need to prove anything so what is your goal here what is it that you're trying to do now we talked about you're trying to inspire other authors but i think that you mentioned that there was another group you're trying to inspire all right well so let me explain uh even for my books and even in the digital age more than half of all books are sold uh, in bookstores. And there's a reason for that, which is a bookstore is a magical place that causes someone who walks in to buy a book. Um, and probably a book they didn't come in to, to think they wanted to buy. So if you want to reach that reader, you need to be in that store in quantity uh, so that they notice you. Well, quantity is a risk. It's a risk for the publisher, but mostly it's a risk for the bookstore because they have to pick which book they're going to put a big pile of. This year, counting ebooks, a million books will be published in English in the U.S. Uh, and while I have a following, uh, standing out in a pile of a million is not easy. So if we had gone, if I got to my publisher and said publish this, they certainly would have said yes. Um, but if I had gone to a bookstore and said and please put a big stack in the window, they would have said no, because I haven't been in the bookstore in years, and I don't have proof that people are going to be talking about it and buying it. Well, now I have proof. Now my publisher can go to the bookseller and to the media and say, this is already the hottest book of the month because people have been talking about it and reading it, so how can you not promote it? And the fact is that in almost all work that we create, whether we're raising money for a company or putting a movie into the world, spreading the idea is as much of the project as making the idea. And so I keep playing on the edge of what's the best way to spread this idea. Uh, valid point. Uh, very valid point. Let's ask, let's ask this question as we wrap up with the last few minutes here. What would happen if we kick-started everything? 
Well, see, the thing to remember in the internet is that the only resource that's scarce or two is trust and attention. And so it's easy to do a gimmick on the internet like the million dollar homepage uh, because attention is fleeting and people want to see the next gimmick. Uh, but attention doesn't scale. After they did the million dollar homepage, if you had tried to do the two million dollar homepage, it wouldn't have worked. And the reason we're not going to be able to kickstart everything is because it's at some level a fad in that people don't want to do the thinking that it takes every time to decide if they want to fund a Kickstarter or not. Um, and so a lot of things that we buy and consume and interact with, we don't think make a new decision every time. We look at our Twitter feed, we eat our cornflakes, that's automatic. The magic of Kickstarter is it can never be automatic. And so there is a huge advantage to people who are going to use it early in the cycle. Um, and there is a huge advantage to people who will use it sparingly to a tribe that's waiting for them to do so. The yeah. most important thing I want listeners to take away is this. This is about trust and a following. And if you don't have those, don't use Kickstarter. If you do have those, don't abuse Kickstarter. And if you have them, every once in a while, it's a really good way, just like the Beatles playing at Shea Stadium, it's a really good way to excite the tribe. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to make the best music, but it's an event that's worth showing up at every once in a while. And that, I think you just touched on. That's a great way to end. Excite the tribe because Kickstarter, really, when it comes right down to it, is about an emotional investment. The money is just a way of measuring that investment to allow that emotion to continue. But it is. It's an emotional investment. I am giving to you emotionally, and I think that's the success that we see with Kickstarter. Bingo. All right. Excellent. Thank you, Seth, so much for taking a few minutes to kind of sit down and talk. Um, this has been great, and we continue to look forward to the success of the Icarus Deception and next year when it comes out in bookstores. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for the work you do. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it, too. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, a way to take your ideas, your passions, and, and put them out there. Hopefully, you've heard something on the show that has inspired you so that we can look for your project out on Kickstarter so that we can help you fund your dream. Thank you for listening. Take care.